Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You are very welcome to episode 26, 27 of the Scaling Your Business podcast. This week, I've got the CEO and founder of Moxie Loves, Pamela, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Delighted to be here. Delighted to have you. Uh, I had the pleasure of being on a magnate call this weekend where you were one of the speakers. So I'm pumped for this. I'm going to make an assumption. What, sorry, what I like to do with my guests is I like to go back to kind of like chapter one, chapter two of their lives. I'm going to make the assumption that you grew up in Dublin. I did. That's a good assumption. Yes. What was life like growing up in Dublin? Do you have any favorite memories? Oh my gosh, I think I was just, maybe I took it a bit for granted. Growing up in Dublin was great. Like I had access to everything. I had my first job in city centre in town. Loved it. Loved that working environment, the like bustly city, like Grafton Street. Mm. I just, I, at the age of 16, it was just like the best thing ever to me. Um, so I have great memories of kind of going home after school and like changing into my work outfit while loads of my friends weren't bothered. I was just so into having a job. Um, so I loved that. You mentioned job. Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs or is that just something that clicked with you? No, total family of entrepreneurs. My mom had her own beauty salon before I was born. My dad had a car sales business. So it was in the family, in the genes, like since day dot. Amazing. Have you got any influence? Like who were you most influenced by? It's probably a better question as a kid. I think it had to be my mom. I mean, even just the way how hard she worked like I would go there after Mm. school and I would spend a lot of time in the salon and I loved it like as a kid I loved playing with the products I just loved that whole environment so she was my inspiration to work hard and to be in that industry I guess because I just looked up to her so much amazing I can see from my research you've spent I'm looking at my notes here you spent some time working as a sales assistant in Brown Thomas House of Frazier Dublin Airport as a nail technician, if I've got that right. You do. Curious to know, what did those roles teach you? Did you take any lessons before you went into kind of self-employment? For sure. So Brent Thomas was my first job as a, like a teenager. That was, I loved it. And I was there two years and I worked probably a lot harder than most of the part-timers. You know, I did Thursday evening, Saturday and Sunday, but I didn't want to just do what I had to do and leave. Like I would reorganize mm. the stock room. I would take Polaroids of the handbags and you know, organize everything. And it, it always felt like I'm going to work really hard and nobody's going to appreciate this because I'm just the part-timer. And I, it gave me that real moment of, I want to work for myself instantly. So uh, I left that job and I started to figure out what I want to do when I left school. So it was my last year in school, sixth year. And I set up a nail bar to open like the day after my devs, I think it was when I was uh, in 2018. I wasn't working the day after my devs. <laughs> I was very different. Like all my friends were planning their J1, the Rasmus college, all of that kind of stuff. And I was literally planning to like work really hard. And it was just, it, it just was so exciting to me. So I set up my own nail bar. I was a nail technician. I qualified during third year and transition year in school. And that was my first real job after school was running my own nail bar. So it was amazing. Wow. Uh, you've, you've mentioned your mother. You, you gave her a shout out as one who influenced you most. Yeah. Uh, did you spend any time working together with each other? Definitely. There was a a period of time between when I finished up in Brown Thomas and my last year in school, which was sixth year. So I would go to the salon and work um, instead for that final year. And I loved it. And that was like getting me geared up, ready to 
take on new clients in in house Fraser in the department store with the nail bar and even just get to grips like throughout the summers I would work with my mom my mom also was a distributor for some um products so she would sell into other salons so we would do the trade shows and I would always be there and trade shows were always over like a bank holiday or some sort of you know summertime thing so I would be there like the hard brass selling at the the stands and I loved that like that buzz I just you can't beat it and um, so I would do all of that throughout the year with her and yeah so I we worked together a lot oh uh, you 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 mentioned that buzz I uh four three four years ago I had the opportunity to speak at a at a small conference in the states and there must have been only 70 to 80 people in the room but I had prepped for hours upon hours and I and I gave the talk and afterwards I got that buzz and ever since then I've just been chasing that feeling since and anytime someone says will you get will you talk at this conference will you, i'll jump at it instantly because that buzz is just uh, addi- addictive yeah um moxie loves talk to me about anyone who hasn't heard of it talk to me about it and the reason why i want to ask this question is because you were giving a talk i think it was saturday morning that i was on the line and one of the things you said to me i went up to my parents house afterwards and i said did you know that 90 percent of makeup is made for water like you're it just stuck in my head i was so shocked that 90 yes. percent of makeup was made from water was that one of the things that got you into starting moxie loves you know it's interesting what actually got me starting moxie loves was my need for something bigger than the nail bar i wasn't really able to see how i could scale that properly to the to the level i wanted to so i decided i would try and do something that was bigger and more exciting and get me really creative with innovation and so i started to come up with the concept of the brand and the main concept was like solving problems how could i solve a problem how can i make a product better what can i do and so it started there and then it evolved into as you do more research as you get really creative you start to see the problems in the industry and the problem is that there's no need for a product to be made up with 80 to 90 percent water and when i go back to my mum as a facialist in the salon so many products were, were actually mixed there and then ready to go on the skin because they were the most potent so they weren't sitting on a shelf for months and and the reason that that is the case is because when you add water you have to add stabilizers preservatives there's loads of things you have to do mm. that deactivate the active ingredients and so that really got me thinking well why can't we do something for the everyday consumer that's similar to what we would do in a salon and then it just it got me on this road of well waterless has to be better and actually it turns out it is amazing you w- w- one question i always ask my guests is to talk about a moment a pivotal moment where they had a challenge they had to face the challenge that i've picked out for you for my research is you had an error in your ingredient list and you purchased sixty thousand units and you had to relabel them all can you talk to me about about this and how you yeah uh, came back from it <laughs> Do you know what? I, I wish that, I, that that was the last time that happened, um, but it wasn't. I did it once <laughs> we ordered the product in. There was a misspelling in the in the label and a warning, literally just one word or one line missing. So I had to get stickers and we had to label 60,000 units and we had to do it in a really short space of time because we were scaling so quickly. So they came in and we'd already printed the bags. There was nothing I could do. So relabeled those. And I was like, right, well, I'll never do that again. Right. Because that only happens once. No, I was rushing our product through because we've had a bit of an issue with some single use plastic um, in our cotton bud. So we had to come up with a new product straight away. I had to rush it out to market the, the mm. packaging and I left the barcode off 75,000 units. Oh, wow. Well, that's where you find out who your true friends are. You give them a call. Hey, I need your help. Friends, family. It's been, look, it's one of those things that um, 
it's it's taught me a lot of lessons <laughs> we don't it's really funny though to look back it on. is funny it is funny um but look do you know what i can just laugh about it look it could be something to do with the with the actual formula that would be a huge disaster labeling it's not a big deal brands have to do it all the time if you ever look closely at packaging sometimes you'll see there's a label stuck on something and and i actually have spoken to loads of brand owners recently since then and they've all gone this and we've done the same thing you know someone took off a sleeve off a product because they thought it looked better and they're sure the barcode was on all the sleeves it to do that so look i'm not alone for sure yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, if anyone's checked you out on social media, they'll see you've traveled to countries like Venice or cities like Venice, London, Dubai, Korea. You're also a dog owner as well. Shout out to your dog. Uh, She's what's... literally just after opening my door here. I've actually had to call for Amazing. backup. <laughs> the the dog is always welcome to come onto the podcast. <laughs> what's, what's one thing you're into or curious about that not a lot of people know? Oh, not a lot of people know I'm addicted to shopping I'm I don't know if that's if people don't know that but I you know to calm down to relax I just go online shopping I scroll it just switches me off I get a real adrenaline rush from shopping it's probably my first job you know being in a department store it was a bad idea started me young and yeah it's an issue you know yeah, um, <laughs> I have an issue I, with that <laughs> it, I, I have a similar thing I got one of these um I might have it in my pocket one of these uh, one for all gift card vouchers uh, yes. where is it here this gift card voucher one for all okay and self-employed you can pay yourself you can buy one of these 500 euro a year and it's tax-free so i bought one at christmas Jeez. and it's ta- it's tax-free and I, over the weekend i was scrolling on the internet and my girlfriend was like what are you doing and i was like i have 500 euro I've got to spend and, I, it. and i want to spend it right now <laughs> i couldn't find anything i wanted to buy but so i i, I feel you on that uh, I've mentioned you travel Venice, yes. London, Dubai, Korea. I think I know the answer to this because you've given it before, but your answer may have changed. What's one country that you're going to visit when restrictions lift? Oh, I mean, to be honest, where I would love to go and where I probably will go, I will go to London. I will go to London straight away. I think I have so much to do in the UK. I haven't even seen my product on shelf and boots yet in the flesh over there. So I'm so excited. But like if I could go anywhere and it didn't have to relate to work, I would get on a plane. I would probably either go to Venice, but like if I could really go somewhere, it would probably be the Caribbean and just hit a different time zone up get to the beach, know that nobody's going to ring me because they're all asleep, you know, for a portion of the day to just have that moment where I could be left alone. <laughs> It'd be nice. Nice. You you say giving your phone away. I listened to a podcast before where you talk about you've had to give your phone away for a period of time for other commitments. Yes. What's that like? I don't think I've ever been attached from my phone for more than two hours. Quite honestly, I've never done it before. I did not think I would be like capable of doing it in that sense. Like, uh, what yeah. was I, 12 weeks without my phone? Um, without the internet, without uh, a laptop, without any communication to anybody. So that was so hard. And I thought it would be harder. Like, I don't know if I could do that in the real, like living my normal life. But in this, in that process, when I was filming, it was like, we were all without our phones. So it was really weird. Yeah. Like we were having dinner and we were just talking to each other. <laughs> like there was no phone anywhere. Do you know, there was no time to do that. So um, it's fine when everybody around you is off their phone. But as soon as I got my phone back in my hand, when I was fired uh, by Lord Sugar, I was like glued again, addicted. You gave a talk at Salon's owner, the Salon Owners Summit in 2020. One thing yes. you talk about was that uh, imposter syndrome. You say 70% of people suffer from it. Um, 
you've mentioned you, you you've spoken about it in the in the snippet uh you know you lost an, an investor uh, in every negative there's an opportunity can you talk to me about what the the summary of that talk and why you chose to highlight imposter syndrome yeah, I thought it was important because I think it's something a lot of people have to deal with and maybe they don't even know what it really means or how it can affect them. And to me, like people would think, well, you can't have imposter syndrome because you went on TV. You are so sure of yourself. But actually, that's easy for me. Like that kind of stuff is like, OK, I can be myself. My personality's here. Throw me into a boardroom with real investors, real VCs, angels, whatever, or business chatter. And I feel like a complete imposter no business degree, you know, got here by pure graft, which is great. But at the same time, I, I always feel like it's my Achilles heel when I enter any of these conversations because it's not like, oh, well, Pamela, you're great. You've done this. It's like, well, can you talk to me about like, you know, whatever gross margin percentages, blah, 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 you know, things that I've had to like really learn. Um, and so I constantly feel that like that doesn't go away. So I know the illusion might be that, oh, like everything's great because you can say this and, and do all these things. But actually, I still feel it. And I think a lot of people feel it in their own way. And I think when I was speaking to salon owners, I thought, you know, my mom was a salon owner. I was an ale bar owner. How do you make that leap into something more and bigger and grow? And, you know, accept that you might feel that and that's OK. And then actually sometimes being underestimated and being the most underestimated in the room can be an advantage. So um, I've tried to see it that way, although I still I still do feel a bit a bit of that sometimes that was my follow-up question do you do you think it's a, a an, an advantage itself because you're making sure you cro cross your eyes and dot your t's or dot your eyes and cross your t's whatever way <laughs> that was meant to be said um because then you're not going you're you're, you're not going to give people the opportunity to go see i was right you didn't do this and as a result of that this was going to happen Exactly. And I think, look, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea when you're not ticking all the boxes. But at the same time, there are things that I've learned that somebody straight out of a college degree just wouldn't have that life experience. So I know that there's an advantage to what I think is a disadvantage. And in turn, you're right. You do end up showing up 10 times better, 10 times stronger because you're you really just don't want that to happen. So, yeah, I think I'm always over prepared. Amazing. Advice to your younger self. One thing you've stated is to raise money when you don't need it. Yes. Why? I think because two reasons. It takes up so much time when you're looking for money. Um, mm -hmm. I, even if I look back when I was looking for money on Dragon's Den and everyone's like, that pitch was amazing. Like, that was great. And I'm like, yeah, it was six months running a business. Like, how many things have gone wrong? Nothing. There's only good things to say. So in, in my mind, when you don't need money, there's very little negatives to talk about. So when you're actually running a business over four years, like I am now, there are peaks and troughs. You know, there are things that have happened that you have to explain. And sometimes that can come across negative. It can put doubt in people's minds. Whereas when you're on this upward trajectory, that is the time, you know, that is the time to raise it, I mm. think anyway. And then you're free to grow your business. You can focus. You're not going, oh God, I should have done this six months ago. Now I'm six months behind. It's going to take another eight months to get the cash. And like, it's just, you don't want to be squeezed. And I feel like when you need it, you're already on at a disadvantage. So if someone's listening to this and says, yes, Pamela, I completely agree, but I don't know where to go. I don't know how to take that first step. What would you yeah. say to them? It's a hard one. I would probably... In my experience, I, again, things I should have done earlier, Dublin BIC have been fantastic, um, local enterprise office, Enterprise mm -hmm. Ireland. Even if you're not going to be, like I wasn't an EI client, 
but the support that I've gotten from them, even though I'm not a client, you know, it's like you're not really taking all the boxes as a client, but here, Dublin Baker doing this, we'd like to put you forward. Or local enterprise have this mentor, like you can get six hours with an amazing mentor for 100 quid. Yes. And that's with local enterprise office. So you don't have to be a huge company to get these benefits. Um, and that that mentor that I had was on the board of an amazing retail, an Irish retail product. And just the the advice that he gave me at that stage was really what I needed. So get the help because it's there. Now you do have to, you to do a bit of professional form filling, um, which isn't fun. But, yeah. you know, once you've done it once, I would always say to people, this is a tip that I wish someone told me. The first form you fill in, copy and paste it and save it in a Word document and then just go back to that and paste it in. Because once you've done it once, it's probably a carbon copy for every other thing you're going to apply for. And it's there, you know, that you can just take it and, and not talk yourself out of applying for something. That has to be the greatest invention ever, copy and paste. If I could award one human being <laughs> with, you know, 20% of my worth for the rest of my life, it would be whoever invented copy and paste. Oh, I am totally so agree. lazy. And when I have to do something and I know I have to do it again, I'll just go back and paste the last yeah. thing I did. Yeah, Change and update it. Bit of, bit of something here at the <laughs> beginning, bit of something at the end. And yeah, I mean, it saves you so much time. Absolutely. You've mentioned a mentor there, six hours. Um, you have any mentors at the moment or how do you continue to kind of like, let's phrase it, uh, continue to learn and invest in yourself? Books, yeah. podcasts? I do love a good podcast. I'm not going to lie, I'm a terrible book reader. So I usually try and do audio books because my attention nice. span is quite low. Um, but I, Gary Fox, The Entrepreneur Experiment, listen to yes. that all the time. Now, sometimes I'm not ready to hear someone's amazing success story. Sometimes I'm in a bit of a space <sighs> where I'm like, I don't need a happy story right now. Okay, I'm going to leave that episode <laughs> until I'm ready to receive it. Um, but there have been some great ones in there where people are really talking about some some crap things that have happened in business. And I like to hear the realness. Um, so his are fantastic. I think as well, I I have this unofficial advisory board, which I didn't really realize until I'm raising money now that they are actually people I call all the time, mentors that I did, wouldn't call a mentor, but people that I ring and you know ask for advice. And I think that's really come from trying to network as much as possible and not even realizing that I'm networking, but reaching out to other brand owners, even just speaking to people in marketing and PR and the magnate group. Like I've met a couple of people there who I'm like, this is just really solid people that I could call not every day, but you know, at times where I'd like their advice. Um, and I think you don't realize you have them, but when you're open and you're a bit more open about your business, people will respond and not everybody's helpful, but the ones that are hang on to them and be helpful back you know you never know how you just replying to somebody with with a tidbit of information could really really help them and um, so I always try and pay it back as much as I can as well networking you've mentioned magnet group James McCormack the founder of Dublin Barista School and Gareth the founder of magnet group and mm. park and pay or park office uh, they've complemented networking as crucial to their success and their continued success how big of a role do you think it's played in your success to date? Not a huge amount to date at the beginning. I was very isolated, um, which mm. I think definitely hindered some of the growth. And even just nobody around me was in that space. Like my friends were all just leaving college after getting, you know, masters and nobody was at the level I was at. And, and I felt like if I'd had some of the people around me that I have today, you know, I would have probably had a, an easier journey. You know, people who've done it before who can tell you the, the things to look out for. So now I would say it's invaluable because you're not meeting people now those people that you can contact that magnate group meeting once a month 
the little things like that really keep you going as an entrepreneur because it's so lonely. And when people ask you, people like normal people, how's business? You're like, it's great, Val. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. You know, you're like, I'm not even going to go there. Whereas when someone in business asks you, you're like, listen, do you have 20 minutes? <laughs> I'll tell you. So um, from that side of things, it's, it's a lonely road if you don't network. And actually, you just don't know who or what you're going to pick up along the way. And I think it's, it's been key over the last year to keep me going. Sometimes it can be difficult. I'm in complete agreement with you here. Sometimes it can be difficult to hear the success stories of others when your head is in the game and you're trying to focus and build your own business. Um, there's a couple of podcasts I listen to myself. Shout out to, to Gary as well. Um, where there's a lot of people talking about the success and the podcasters bumping them up. There's there's two that I want to give a shout out to recently. Gary opened up about his struggles over the last two years. And I think from that, he got an interview on RTE yes. because he was so open. And then there's another guy I listen to in the States who I stopped listening to for five or six months. And today he titled his podcast, you know, basically I've been lying for the last couple of months that I've been happy and then he was really raw and he got the most number of views so shout out to those that are not afraid to kind of talk about the, the raw elements yeah. rather than success the entire time because it can be difficult and glad to hear that you said that as well because you're the, one of the first that I've heard to say it recently that hey I, I, I can get bored of listening to success stories yeah and sometimes you just can't relate because you're not at a stage where and you know sometimes it's an introduction and it's not to say somebody's lucky but you don't have that opportunity so you can't replicate their success you can listen to that podcast 10 times and it'll never apply to you so it can be so difficult when you're not in the place to receive the kind of nuggets that are probably mixed in with the i'm great and look how well i've done <laughs> exactly and when you dig deep enough you'll find out and look hard work goes into all of it but you'll find out usually that there was a moment of luck and they just put themselves in that position more times than the average person did there's a yeah. guy in America called Tom Hopkins. He's like a famous sales trainer, um, Zig Ziglar kind of level. And he said the changing moment for him was when he was at a conference he wasn't supposed to be speaking at. The guy, the head keynote speaker, was in traffic and was late. And the conference guy said, hey, can you go up and entertain the audience until the keynote speaker comes in? Turns out the keynote speaker could never arrive. This guy got a full 40-minute talk. And from that, one talk led to another, led to another. And now he's, you know, multi-millionaire years yeah. down the line. He's obviously put a lot of hard work in. But those moments of luck, you can't um, manufacture or force them to happen. No. You no. can increase your chance of it happening by put yourself in enough situations anyway I, I digress i want to bring it back um if your house was burning down um every your loved ones are, are fine your dog is fine what one item would you save if you could only save one it's my phone in my pocket your phone's in your pocket okay <laughs> just checking um having had my laptop die with all my data every email that i own not backed up in any way it would have to be my laptop because I just, I'm so terrified of that happening again. So I would just need it, need it with me. What did you do in that situation? Um, I'm still realizing all the stuff that I'm missing. I tried to just totally block that out and go, that's fine. Like I know everything. And then it's like, can I have a copy of this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I'm like, oh, I don't have that. Like that was from 2017 and I'm never going to get it back. Um, so yeah, it's been fun. It's nothing that like, you know, my world will collapse for. But at the same time, there's like contact, you know, someone I emailed before and I just don't have that contact again. So frustrating. But um, yeah, I, I would take my laptop straight away. It's too much on here. 
Nice. So the last guest I had, Daniel Nugent from Amber Eyewear, he said a coffee machine. Um, oh. Always interesting here, yeah. I mean, I would uh, probably try and put the laptop in a few handbags that are my favourites. You know, yeah, I would, yeah. you know, try and be, be like clever. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Funny that I mentioned coffee, listening to the podcast. I know you're not a coffee or tea fan, but you are a Monster fan. I'm a huge Monster fan as well. What's your favourite Monster? Okay, the new one. Have you seen this turquoise one floating around now? I haven't. I've been <gasps> addicted to the blue one forever and I kind of refuse to go near other ones. No, the greeny, like, turquoise one. I just finished the can, but it's not here. Um, but it is tropical, like, mango, passion fruit flavour. It's amazing. But if I were to really pick, and I'm devastated because it's gone, was the orange flavour. Like, oh, solid. Yes. Yeah, orange. it was a solid one. And there was yellow. That's gone as well. Like, both my favourites. Um, so... It's the it's the turquoisey colour now. I'm a fan of fulfill bars and I haven't seen a yellow fulfill bar, the lemon one, in about two years. And I feel like they've been like discontinued. Yeah. Again, sad day. They were my favourite as well. It's just not fair. Like we're the solid fans, you know, we should be looked after. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I would like you to imagine that it's 2030 and you're looking back over the last decade. What would you like to have achieved? You can answer this personally, professionally, whatever way you choose. Yeah. I think um raising money first of all and building a team if I could look back and say that was the year I I took the next step which I feel like I'm ready to do take the cash in grow the brand but grow the team like be more of a business um, and not just me spinning a million plates um, and America America is the big one for me I would love to just go at it make it happen and yeah be a be a brand over there it would just be the dream if you could establish an office in any city in America, what city would you would you go for? I think it would have to be Florida, somewhere in Florida, Miami, maybe. And would you have a house there part time so you could spend some of your time there I mean, too? Yeah, just a you know a casual house in South Beach, like no big deal. <laughs> it would be nice. Yeah, it's an amazing part of the world. I go over for a conference to Orlando every March. Didn't wow. get to go the last two years, but yeah. Uh, I got to experience Daytona Bike Week. I'm oh, not wow. a huge bike fan, but my dad has a Harley Davidson, and he said, "Hey, we got to go to this." And it was just like picture all these jacked dudes with you know the mustaches, the helmets, and everything, and they you know, they look terrifying, but they're the nicest, friendliest people wow. in the world. I'm picturing um, Sons of Anarchy now. <laughs> yeah, it it was pretty much that Florida sunset. And just a lot of beer and just people being super friendly and nice. And Amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I, again, I don't own a bike, but I'd certainly go back to it. Pamela, I've 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 had a pleasure in, in getting to know you and, and 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 asking you some questions. I wish you every success going forward. I hope that you conquer America. Um, and maybe one day they'll bring back your favorite monster. But uh, thank you very much for joining me today. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It was great crack chatting to you. <laughs>